I should get the pregame button off. If you know that. All right, welcome guys to the MMOs.com podcast. This is uh, Altai here with episode 109, and I'm joined this week by Omer. And as always, we will have an awesome podcast for you guys. Some great topics to discuss. But as usual, we will start with that good old weekly raid, and we're ready to rock. Let's do it. All right, this week the weekly raid is: What do you think of MMORPG reboots? So I'm not talking here about sequels, prequels, <clears throat> or spiritual successors, okay? We're talking about good old-fashioned reboots. A couple examples of this recently is um, the announcement by Nexon that they're going to make uh, a classic server of their own. I guess they're tired of uh, giving the private servers all, the, all that moolah. Uh, Secret World launched yesterday. Uh, Secret World Legends. It's a um, slightly altered version of their original. Uh, a little bit tighter experience, you know, less uh, simpler combat. Uh, more straightforward, more, uh, less uh, side quests, but you know, pretty much the same game. Um, Lineage M for mobile. It's literally just Lineage One, kind of redid for mobile. It's a top-grossing game in Korea right now. So clearly, there's a lot of um, a demand for nostalgia. So will mm-hmm. we see this more in the future? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Uh, what do you What do you think? I think you just have to look at the release of like TV shows and movies to see how powerful nostalgia is. I mean, like. Nostalgia is a hell of a thing. Like, look at the Super, the the the, uh, the Power Rangers movie, right? Like, they ran the Power Rangers series on Twitch from like beginning to end, and they got so many viewers because of nostalgia. You know, everybody grew up watching this stuff. So I think like as some of these franchises age, the possibility of rebooting them through a classic server, a progression server, or even like a slight remake increases because these games still have a lot of cachet. Like Ragnarok Online, despite not being a huge money earner, has still I think a lot of cachet amongst gamers. Like I. Talk to people like Final Fantasy Guild, for example, and like someone like, oh, I played Ragnarok for like five years now. I played for ten years. Like I love that game. So if they do something new with it, just because it has a Ragnarok name, people can try it again. I'm, I'm actually pretty confident that this uh, this Ragnarok Classic server, it's called uh, Ragnarok Restart, which is launching soon. I don't know when that is, but they said soon. Uh, you know, I think it'll do really well. You know, it's official server starting with 2003 content with new updates every month, stuff like that. I think there's a giant market for for feeding that nostalgia, and um, yeah. As well as I think the server will do, could you imagine the money they put into Ragnarok Online 2, right? Imagine mm-hmm. they just use that money to remaster Ragnarok Online. So now they, they don't change a single stat. Like all the stats, the classes, you know, skills are all the same. But, you know, a more modern um, engine, like so you can you know easily do the resolution changes and stuff. <clears throat> a little bit less stuttery, I guess, when you move. Because I, I remember Ragnarok Online was kind of stuttery. Like I, I, I feel like that was kind of built into it. But... uh. If they did that instead, it would sell so well. You know, not not just that too, because actually, for those that don't know, obviously Ragnarok Online Two is a complete flop. It gets like almost no players here and here anywhere. The Korean version shut down already. The Steam version is the only version that's left, I believe, in the world right now. And look at the Steam chart for that; it's nothing. And that was like that was a remake as well, because they actually made Ragnarok Online Two um, the gate of the world. That was their first take on Ragnarok Online Two, and apparently it was so bad they shut it down. They remade it. It's Ragnarok Online 2, Legend of the Second. So they tried to pull like what Final Fantasy 14 did with 1.0 and then exactly. Realm Reborn, but it was but like both of them flopped completely. So they don't have like a good turnaround story. And they made I mean, they must have spent a lot of money making this game. I mean, I'm sure actually if we go back and look through Gravity's financial statements, because Gravity is actually publicly traded. If you dig through those financials, we can see how much money went into R&D since the period of Ragnarok Online 2's development cycle. And it's going to be millions and millions of dollars. And it's one of the reasons that really Gravity went to shit, you know, because their only game, you know, I think their biggest game today 
is a Ragnarok Online mobile game, and prior to that, it was still Ragnarok Online, and they've been living off that one game. I would have loved to see some kind of remastered, new UI, more polished, you know, graphics, the same style of game as Ragnarok Online. That would have done tremendously well, I think. And you had a good point with the money aspect. You know, with MMORPGs today being so expensive to develop, right? It's a huge risk for these studios. So mm -hmm. instead of taking that huge gamble, what if they used, you know, that kind of money to remake a classic title, uh, whether it's Lineage, mm -hmm. uh, EverQuest? Uh, some I think Cat and Chat mentioned the one I mentioned in the article here, actually. Uh, which one I want to see? Star Wars Galaxies. I think the reason Star Wars Galaxies got shut down, guys, is because when Star Wars The Old Republic came out, uh, it was kind of a rival uh, game, right? But mm -hmm. now, I mean, what if EA and Disney just relaunched Star Wars Galaxies? I'm sure Daybreak is just, you know, a hedge fund-owned company now. I'm sure they could, they would just, you know, get rid of that, whatever code base they have for it pretty cheaply. So that's the one I, I want to see. Yeah, would do well. I think Star. Wars, I think if they, they remade Star Wars. Um, they relaunched Star Wars Galaxies. I think there could be. A, they, they, I think it'd be marked for. It. I think a lot of people are curious about that game as well. And I think what we've seen is like if you look at all the popular games today, like the most popular MMORPGs, maybe outside of WoW and uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, like a lot of these more most like RuneScape and stuff. Like a lot of these older games remain popular. I don't think the complexity of Star Wars Galaxies and maybe some of the difficulty is going to be a turnoff. You know, we've seen a lot of games go way on the easy front. You know, we're, we've talked about this a lot during weekly raids. Like it feels so easy. I don't think complexity is, is that big of a turnoff because the biggest MMORPGs today are the old games. And a lot of those old games are much more complex than the new Korean stuff that's coming out today. So I think there's a market for Star Wars Galaxies, and it's and it's sufficiently different from Star Wars Mobile Republic that I don't think it's any real competition. Like, they're not the same kind of game at all. One's a very much a story-driven narrative. Other one is, you know, a traditional sandbox MMORPG. I would actually add a caveat to your complexity issue. You are correct that Star Wars Galaxies and a lot of older games are complex. But may, at least, I'd say at least, at least a half of the complexity is due to downright awful UIs. And yes. UIs is kind of like battle strategy. You know, people just didn't know any better back then. You know, just like, you know, people thought lining up was a good idea. So there's a lot of bad design design decisions circling the UI in these older games that if, if it was kind of redone with today's um, expertise, I'd say a game like Star Wars Galaxies uh, would be much more approachable, even with the same mm -hmm. gameplay, just with a, with a more modern UI. And I think that the Secret World, I've been playing that recently, they did, they did a lot to improve the combat, but there's still that old UI feel that it just kind of holds it back. And I think you really can't, like... You, emphasize, you can't emphasize enough just how important UI is. Because actually, uh, this week, Final Fantasy XIV uh, documentary part two came out, I think just yesterday, and the next part is coming out tomorrow. And it's basically chronicles the events of Final Fantasy XIV 1.0, the failure of the game, the development process, and the interview of the CEO of Square Enix, the interview of Yoshi P, one of the localizers. And Yoshi P, the guy that's you know known now for saving Final Fantasy XIV and working on Realm Reborn, he says, when I first played Final Fantasy XIV 1.0, I couldn't play for more than 50 minutes. The interface was garbage. He, the guy that's working at Square Enix, this, this well-known game producer and designer, he's like unplayable. He said he could not play the game for 50 minutes strictly because of how bad the UI was. And I actually remember after watching that video that I played Final Fantasy XIV 1.0 back in the day because this was during the Hut days. So I remember I played the beta. I looked at my email, right? I made my account back in 2009. I was in the beta for Final Fantasy XIV 1.0. And I remember mm. playing at the time like, how do you get past this UI? Like, I, I like Final Fantasy, but like this UI is just so bad. And I just, I don't know. I, I could, I, I don't think I, I even did a video for it back then because like I could not, I don't know. The UI was just so off-putting that I didn't even want to look at it. 
So yeah. UI is just unbelievably important, and I think it, it is one of those things that you shouldn't really notice, right? If it's done well, it just kind of blends into the background, and you don't notice it. But if it's done poorly, you notice it right away, and it frustrates you to no end. I, I have a lovely story hmm. about UI. So I, I'm playing Secret World uh, Legends, and you know, for the, for the, I guess we can talk more about it later, but for the record, I'm having a pretty good time. It's, it's much more accessible now than it was in the past. But with that said, there's so many stupid decisions. Okay, so you know, like in every MMORPG, you got you can drag like the sword to your sword slot, right, to equip mm -hmm. it, or the chest piece to your chest slot, and it equips. In Secret World, if you're off by a pixel into the box, you get a prompt that says, "Do you want to destroy this?" And and it's yeah, you know, yes, no, and that's the same prompt you get when it says, "Do you want to equip this and bind it or whatever," right? In most games, mm -hmm. so sometimes you click yes, and it's gone. If you're off by a pixel, you destroy your own gear. But what's remarkable is like these things. Like, how does nobody in the development team realize like these the UI is bad? Like, that's an obvious glaring issue, right? You played for like, you know, an hour. That that's going to come up, you know. Like, yeah. how did nobody that was playtesting that game point out to Funcom that this is this is stupid, you know? And in that Final Fantasy documentary, Yoshi P was like, okay. Another frustrating thing about the UI was when you go to close the game, right? Like, you go on the top right, you click X to close the game, right? The game says, warning: if you disconnect, your progress may not be saved. When you're closing an MMO, and he's like, and the options are, you know, like, yes or quit. I mean, no or quit. If you click no, it just puts you back in the game. So you're like, what the hell? Like, and then you try again later. You click the X button, and it gives you the same warning. Warning, if you close the game, your current your progress may not be saved. And he's like, I'm an engineer. Like, of course your progress is being saved. Like, consistently, it's an MMO. You know, why is he even giving me this message? And the message was there, like, maybe as a disclaimer, like, in the odd chance, like, some the server broke or something, or something catastrophic happened, you, you wouldn't be saved. I, I don't know why they put that warning there, though, because he's like, it makes players scared to quit the game of, over such a stupid thing. Like, this should have been caught, like, day one. But no, it was there for, like, years. And uh, the documentary we were talking about is a three-parter. I have part mm -hmm. one playing in the background. If you guys are interested in MMORPG uh, behind the scenes, I do recommend it. I've watched this uh, with Omar. And uh, it's it's uh, it's good stuff. And my favorite part of part one, at least, was when Yoshi P came in to save the game. First of all, Yoshi he talked about his past with his with the genre. He played Ultima Online. He played EverQuest a lot, and he brought that experience with him when he was rebuilding Final Fantasy fourteen. And he was shocked to realize, or I guess he couldn't believe it at first, but nobody on the original team Final Fantasy fourteen even played World of Warcraft. Uh, that's insane. Uh, How do you not play that? I know, it's crazy. You're literally making an MRPG, and you have, like, this amazing game from Blizzard, which is, like, literally the gold standard. It's so popular, unbelievably successful, and nobody at Square Enix decided to play the game? Like, come on, dude. Yeah, so, it, so you know, don't think these guys, don't, even big companies like Square, you know, don't really always know what they're doing. So, uh, somehow we're going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect this back to Kickstarter again. Be careful who you give your money to go on Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, if the people are like these companies don't know what they're doing yeah. either. Yeah. <laughs> if if Square Enix can't say, hmm, maybe one of us should try our competitor's game to see what they did, you know, like if if they can't put that together, uh, it's not but as actually, easy. Actually, I do, do want to say one thing in the documentary. It highlights like the connection between Final Fantasy XIV 1.0 and Everlong Reborn. And you know, I, I didn't follow you know 1.0 too much. And having watched the documentary, actually, I realized like they actually connected the stories between the games pretty well. And they really were loyal to their, you know, the developers kind of gave, you know, made the players that stuck around Final Fantasy XIV one point like, you know, an interesting experience because the end of Final Fantasy XIV was almost like, uh, like one of those epic events, you know, basically the one of the moons was coming down to, and it's going to destroy the world, 
And that was like the ending of the game. And actually, you can see in this, let me drop you this link real quick. Sorry about that. It's in podcast chat. You can see people like um, kind of waiting for the end of the world. So it's like the last few minutes of the game. Everyone's just kind of, you know, standing on a hill and looking at what's happening, you know? So if you, if you skip around, like actually like after, after a certain point, it actually disconnects everyone from the server. And everyone who was in the game gets to see the cutscene. The first trailer for Realm Reborn, and you can see the moon coming down, and that epic scene uh, with the answers playing in the background. So you get to see the epic Final Fantasy XIV Realm Reborn trailer, and they're like the first ones to see it. You know, the people in the game when the game is basically shutting down for the relaunch. So what you're saying is uh, Final Fantasy XIV is just a really weird mod for Majora's Mask. There, you, that, yes, that's exactly oh, what I'm saying. That's that's what I'm getting. And uh, you know, this event that this happened in, like people that got the experience in 1.0. It's referred to as the calamity. It's, it's a part of the game's story, you know. People that play Realm Reborn, it gets referenced all the time, you know. But you know, you don't need to play the first you know, 1.0 to understand it. But it's really cool that they connected the the stories between the games. Yeah. Regardless, I think the documentary is well worth watching for sure. If you like video game documentaries, I've seen a ton of them. I think and more RPG documentaries in particular are really interesting. Not just Final Fantasy one. There's there's, there's a RuneScape one. There's a WoW one. There's a Second Life one. There's a lot of really cool. MMORPG documentaries, I strongly recommend the you guys The Second check Life out. one, guys, is a little weird. That's a weird It's a little cringe. That's why it's funny. All right. I mean, <laughs> quick recap. Actually, I want to mention the Second Life one. It's like the, this couple meets in Second Life, right? It's a social MMO, and, like, they were in love in the game, and then they end up meeting in real life, right? And the documentary kind of chronicles their tales in game as well as real life. And when the guy and the girl meet in real life, they're all so happy at first, and, like, like literally, like a week later, they're interviewing the girl, and she's like, "He just yells at me all the time. He won't stop yelling at me." And like, it's kind of sad, but I don't know. I find that quite humorous. That like, he would just yell at her over like the game. Fun times. Well, you know, rage, rage brings people together. You know. There you go. Actually, there's a. I'll drop the link for MMO documentaries. We actually we try putting up all the all the good documentaries on MMO.com. Links to YouTube videos. Yes. So, if you're curious about any of those, uh, I've I've personally seen most of these. The one about internet addiction amongst Chinese teenagers is also quite hilarious. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. I recommend that one, guys. That one's not specifically MMORPGs, but you know they're they're talked about pretty often and gaming in general. Well worth it. One of the funny scenes is these kids are like, oh, what, you know, what games do you play to these other kids? Like, they're, they're, they're a hospital for treatment, right, for gaming addiction. And one of the kids is like, oh, I play Dungeon Fighter Online. Other ones, like, I play WoW. And the, the guy that plays WoW is like, oh, DFO? That's for faggots. <laughs> so, like, it's like they use that same lingo like that we would use as no, gamers. I think, I think they say retard or something. Like, that game is just a yeah. retard game. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny how, the, how, how they interact with each other there. But it's, yeah, it's pretty good. All right. Uh, with that, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about the Steam sale, the Steam summer sale. It started, mm -hmm. uh, and I want to know uh, if you guys bought anything on this. Uh, I bought two games. Neither actually were MMORPGs. I bought a – Omar, you'll know this one. Uh, Commander Keen is for sale for $1, and you get like six Commander Keen games. Classic. Yeah, this is, this is a platformer from 1990, guys. And I, Holy I, crap. I think it's by id software so these are the guys who made doom uh if you want to know the origins i guess of uh doom uh go buy commander keen for a dollar and you can learn about the, the history of pc gaming here i think this this ties in well with our weekly raid too with your know, nostalgia and relaunches like you've seen just how popular like some of these relaunches are. a lot of game companies are putting their old catalog of games on steam or on mobile like you got the all those sonic games came out on, on mobile recently right yes. all those old sonic games 
you know, you just bought Commander Keen on Steam, like you paid for that. And there's like so many of these old games just making a you know a mini mini comeback. And look at the SNES Classic, right? And the NES Classic that Nintendo launched. Both of those, you know, sold out really quickly and doing tremendously well. And it's basically milking a nostalgia. And that's why we're gonna see, you know, a lot more reboots, remastered, progression servers. I mean, the EverQuest progression server did amazing. You know, it's it's mega packed and it's only for subscribers only. You have to pay to actually access that server. The Ragnarok one is free to play, so you don't have to pay for that. So that's why I thought that was going to do really well. All right. Blizzard's next MMORPG is going to be World of Warcraft Remastered. <laughs> nah. Well, I don't know. It depends how long, I guess, it takes. They would just release another expansion. I don't think they're going to release a remastered version. Also, do you guys know anybody who buys these things for $80? Or, or okay, $80, whatever. That's a retail price. But these things are on eBay for $300, guys. I feel like at that price, why don't you just put like a little mini, you know, Raspberry Pi PC inside like a uh, a plastic case and just do it yourself and then sell it? I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking of doing that. Good idea. All right. Besides, uh, uh, yeah. Did you buy anything else? Did you buy anything on Steam? No, I I, I skimmed through it. There was, you know, you you could have bought Black Desert Online for like seven bucks, but it still it was cheaper on the first uh, first week. I, I I skimmed through. I didn't really buy anything this time. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm hooked on Final Fantasy 14, so I've been playing that nonstop. Literally, I, almost all my free time on the PC, I've been playing Final Fantasy 14. I've been playing a lot of BDO. Um, it's eight dollars, like Omar said. It's not the cheapest it's been. It was six when it first came out on uh, Steam, but for mm-hmm. eight dollars, guys, it's still super worth it. Uh, I'm getting a lot of fun out of it. Uh, I'm enjoying my time. I'm enjoying a lot more Morrowind. I bought both on the same day, I think, and I played BDO much more. I do want to go back to Morrowind eventually, Elder Scrolls Online, but first, first BDO. Uh, BDO is actually still doing tremendously well too. I mean, it, people were kind of assuming that after the first week it would fall off a lot, right? But that's not the case. The game's 24-hour peak is 25,654. The all-time peak which is achieved like a couple days after launch is 26,000. So the 24-hour peak is basically the same as the all-time peak, you know. So the game has not fallen off at all since it's launched on Steam and it's still booming. And I, so I, this game is, you know, not to be underestimated. And I want to rub it into the face of Final Fantasy fans like Omar here that all those 25,000 are joining however many thousands there are outside Steam on a single server with no queues. <laughs> yeah, the queue times are still an issue on Final Fantasy 14. Actually, I realized how fortunate I was to play on Gilgamesh, the second busiest server in the in A cluster, because I have friends that play on Balmong, the busiest one, and they regularly get queues that are hours long to get in. I had, a, I had an hour queues are normal for me on Stormblood launch, but you know nowadays I can get in usually in like 10, 15, 25 minutes tops usually. There's always a queue, but it goes pretty quickly. But on Balmong, forget about it. The queues are literally insane, so you you can't get in. But yeah, unfortunately, the, the server technology for uh, FF14's, I guess, network technology is not as good as Black Desert Online. Because, you know, BDO, I guess, technologically, it is a bit of a marvel for MRPGs. You have a persistent world, right? One giant persistent world in one mega server. Yeah, no loading between, like... No loading, yeah. yeah. FF14's got zones. You know, you go to a different zone. And, like, the way the zones are, each zone can be a, a server, too, because they can actually... Sometimes FF14 actually puts a zone down for maintenance, right? Like, that one zone is no longer accessible while they're doing maintenance on it, right? So... It's literally multiple servers too, then, or it's compartmentalized somehow. Black Desert is this one giant mega server, and it does it without, you know, these giant queues. Though I think, the, I mean, again, that's all in one server. Video, I think FF14 has got a lot more players, but it's spread over more servers. Yeah, there's no way there's fifty thousand people on that one server or more. Yeah. I don't know. 
I don't know. Um, all right. Well, besides that, I bought um, South Park Stick of Truth. It's like I think seven dollars. I haven't played it yet, but um, the reviews say it's basically like a long episode of the show. So if that's the case, I think I'll enjoy it when I get around to playing it. That's it for me on the Steam sale. Nothing for me. But we can talk a little about Black Days Online because you've been playing quite a bit of that. And it's I want to correct what I said earlier. It actually hit its all-time peak like two days ago. So it's actually breaking new records right now, BDO, on Steam. So it's not that it didn't fall. It's actually still growing. And rarely does a game uh, numbers go up weeks after launch. Usually it's that week launch that gives it a giant boost and then it kind of falls back down to a steady state. It kind of stays there. But no, BDO is still growing. Also, how do you feel about the latest uh, change to open-world uh, PK that's happening for Black Desert Online, and that's going to make it so PKers get double the cover penalties before. Has has it kicked in yet or no? I think it's happening soon. Let me just let me just check. I okay. think it might have kicked in because I just got to like late, late you know, end game leveling where mm-hmm. it would be a factor, and I have actually only been PK'd once. So one guy followed me around and killed me, and I thought whatever, you know, he just I, maybe I was in his grind spot, right? So I rezzed at the nearest node. I kind of went away from him. Like, I could still see him on my screen, but I, you know, I gave him distance. And then he came after me and killed me again for no reason. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and, they, they, did, they, they did happen already. It's already live as of June 21st-ish. Okay, so then maybe that's why I'm not getting P, uh, PK'd as much. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, I don't think they needed it just because it is fun to kind of run from people, deal with people, fight people. Um, but I'm not a good uh, person to ask because I kind of got in. I got to endgame after that date, you know, so... Maybe it's not like uh maybe I just didn't know what it was like before. And somebody's saying it's a top uh, player in video. I effing hate it. And actually, I mean, reading this, it does seem like a bit excessive. I mean, when you die in Black Desert, uh, you don't really lose anything, right? As so many PKs you. Yeah, I don't think just you lose a, it, it's a convenience factor. You gotta run back to your grind spot, right? It's I get it. It's, it's slightly inconvenient, but the guy PKing you, you know, he takes that karma hit, you know, and there's there's, there's a real penalty there, and he gains nothing for it besides inconveniencing you. So I think like. It might be a bit much to, to double that penalty. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 usually for open PvP, which mm-hmm. you know, especially if the other guy doesn't lose lose anything. You know, who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, why even bother killing someone? So I think people at Reddit would complain that it's going to kill the open world PvP, and you can you know obviously people don't like getting killed randomly, but I do think that sense of danger, that sense of you know, oh shit, I got attacked. You know, I got to watch where I'm going. You know, maybe like I want to get stronger, not just to grind, right? Maybe to better defend myself. You know, there has to mm-hmm. be some urge. For you to get better at the game beyond just being able to grind faster, right? There's got to be some purpose for you to get stronger. Because a lot of people are playing for the PVE, even though I don't think BDO is a great PVE game because there's no dungeons. But people are playing to get stronger. But I think you want to also play to like defend yourself too. It adds an extra element to the game. You know, it gives you more motivation to get stronger. Oh yeah, I, I had a great time getting PV, uh, PK'd. I, I was you know I was in my seat. I'm like, oh, something's happening. Because besides that, I was fighting these mindless mobs. You know, so like when another player is after you. Uh, you know, you gotta actually sit up and, and and you know plan ahead, think. Do I run? Do I fight? Uh, so I, I had a good time being uh, killed. So uh, it's that's actually a really good point. Yeah, if we see less of that, I think it's a loss for the game. Because very often we do find ourselves kind of in like uh, we kind of slouch in our chair doing our grind, right? Something has to happen to break that habit. Whether it's like some kind of in-game random event or somebody attacking us. You know, for me, like when I'm in Ru- when I was playing Rust, I got this urge, like holy shit, while well, I'm cutting some trees down. Some asshole shooting at me, like it, it gets your heart pounding. You gotta get to your base, you know. And and more PGs don't do that nowadays because you don't have that threat of danger. And Black Desert does have it, but they're clearly scaling back on it. And I I think it's, it's a mistake too. Uh, apparently they're adding an area. This is a certain area 
Uh, AP over 180 won't count. So oh, you were, I know you were complaining about. Oh, that's excellent. That's awesome. Yeah, because one thing I complained about PDO was, you know, the guy with the better gear is, is typically going to win, especially if he's got a, a big gear advantage. If somebody got a big gear advantage, you have no amount of skill to overcome that. But if they have, if they add, you know, no no AP over 180 matters, it equalizes at 180, I think that's awesome. You know, then you can always, it'll always be fair, you know. You won't lose to the guy who just plays nonstop because he's got better gear than you. And definitely, because yeah. I, I, before you didn't have anything that equalized the gear. There was no arena where everything was equalized. There was no, you know, way to do equalized battles. At least now you can. And uh, I'm playing a trailer back here for Xbox, and the game is coming out for Xbox One. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not coming for PS4, but that's going to come later. So first Xbox, then PlayStation, uh, for those of you who want to know. And uh, there's a guy in chat, Indie Dude. He's saying a lot of stuff I'm, I'm nodding my head with here. Um, Omar, he, it's kind of mirroring the conversation we had earlier today. He, somebody said, I guess, in chat that no dungeons equals no end. No, there's no end game because there's no dungeons. That's not true, though. But, you know... When I think about it, I think of Eve Online. You know, Eve Online has no like dungeons, you know, but yeah. it's a, it's a, it's an amazing game you can spend years playing because the end game is players, is people, you know, interacting with people, and that's what I think an end game of an MRPG should be, like a sandbox style experience. Not you know you not a queue, and then you get teleported to a room, you fight the big boy, and you get teleported out, and you do it eight times, you know, like I don't know, that doesn't. That doesn't strike me as Endgame. Like no, I think I think props to BDO for you know making something different. I, it's clearly not for everybody, but the fact they did make a game without the the PVE dungeons, right? Emphasizing you know the PVP content, the the, the guild wars in the game. That's good. That's something different too. And I, I don't even mean to sound racist, but like I'm surprised to see that from a Korean MMORPG. You know, when we think of Korean grinders and Korean MMORPGs, we think of you know the same thing, like kind of polished over and over again. You know, but BDO is quite a bit different than the, your average Korean game, and Maybe, that's why maybe it didn't do so well in Korea, but it's, you know, it's doing really well here in the West. Uh, uh, time for some racism, all right? Here we go. All right, let's go. Let's hear it. I gave the warning, so it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, so, you're fine. Like you're said, like, it's so different than the average Korean grinder, right, BDO? It's got this mm -hmm. beautiful world. And what I mean, it's visually beautiful. Um, they took care with making the towns, the cities. You know, like the Heidel actually like mirrors an actual German city. I don't know if I can find the picture. But my point is they took a great care with the, you know, with the NPC designs, the, you know, the, the world building around uh, the environment. But with that said, they could have done such a better job with things like the lore, the story, um, the things I guess, you know, Western studios are better known for, you know, whether it's um, Bethesda or whatever it is. If, if they dropped that sprinkle of, um, uh, even even Japanese companies do this pretty good, you know, with their RPGs. They sprinkle some of that in on top of the Korean uh, grind, you know, glue. Uh, it would have been a beautiful concoction. So a missed opportunity. Perhaps a future <laughs> collaboration. I'm actually looking at the the good old game rankings for these uh, these Korean games again. A site we look at uh, almost every week. Black Desert is actually number eleven. It's been climbing recently, so maybe with the with their updates coming out. So it's right at number eleven as the most popular game in Korea. Definitely not bad. It was definitely it was lower earlier, but it is it is climbing a bit. What is this? Oh, okay. Let me click on this. Obviously, League still rocking the number one spot. Good old Maple Story and DFO rocking there as well. Nice lineage uh, is there. Starcraft Brood War is still climbing. I know. I remastered. By the way, back to our weekly raid. Starcraft remastered. When that comes out, I think it's going to do really well. Oh, you know what? I would love to see Maple Story remastered. Remake that game with a with a half decent client. God, that game would do amazing again. I, th I think one of the most biggest frustration points is people that play Maple Story is how garbage the client is, and like it's just so bad. If they just remade it with the same exact game, you know, maybe Maple Story 
keep the graphics the same, redo the network code, redo the, the interface, maybe redo the engine. I think it will be amazing. The same, you know, it can even transfer your characters over. Just replace the old client with a new one. I think that could do really well. That list is for the most played games in South Korea between June 14th and June 20th, is what we're seeing right now. Yeah, this is uh, in, in uh, Korea. Yeah, people are saying they have enough issues relaunching MapleStory 2. Yeah, that's unfortunate. MapleStory 2 is, uh, is number 49 on this list, and it's not doing so hot in South Korea. There's only one server. It is full, but there's only one server, which is definitely unfortunate. I mean... Keep in mind, MapleStory 2 might be one of those games that does really well overseas, you know, like, and even like BDO did way better in America and Europe than it did in Korea. And even Terra did much better here in the West than it did in South Korea. So it might be one of those games that just does better overseas than locally. And uh, this next series of screenshots might only make sense if you played Black Desert, but I'll, I'll try to show screenshots after. But this is an actual city in France. Um, and if you guys have played Black Desert, you know, this scene, especially right here, Looks so much like Heidel, like the streets in Heidel. Uh, so they really did, you know, take some care in making a nice, pretty uh, town here. <laughs> that is so Heidel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So everyone in chat, yeah. So if you, uh, I guess if you haven't played, you're kind of gonna miss out on that. But it's fun, fun times. I think I do want to praise, you know, BDOs, you know. I love I love seeing NPCs walk around too. The vastness of the world, the persistent element of the world, it was nice. Mm -hmm. I, I want to see more and more PGs do the persistent world thing when they can. It's just, it's it's good touch, and the cities look nice too. And the proportions are actually pretty good, if I remember correctly. Like the size of the buildings and stuff. Yeah. I think no game gets that perfect though. Like the, usually the buildings are either too big or too small. Usually way too big. I actually can't wait to play BDO again. Uh, but 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 that's good. Like yeah. <laughs> Because both of us, neither of us have really been itching, like, really hardcore to play an MMORPG in a while, right? But, like, I'm itching right now to play Final Fantasy XIV, especially after watching the documentary the other night. I, th I thought Part 2 was pretty emotional, just watching the end of, uh, you know, 1.0, and the, I, I heard the, the trailer for Answers again. I, I'm hyped to play FF14 again. Like, right after this podcast, I'm probably going to play and just, you know, do some story content. I've been playing nonstop. I, I finished, I was mega behind earlier. I finished all of Heaven's Sword since the last podcast, so I played through all of that. And now I'm very close to getting all this game to the Stormblood content. I was obviously behind, but I'm, I'm catching up very quickly because I'm playing nonstop lately. And I'm, I'm very hyped to play. And you're very hyped to play BDO as well. So we're both, you know, back in MMORPG mode. <laughs> and uh, uh, one complaint, though. There are many things wrong with BDO. One is uh, the, if you want to be a min-maxer and actually get competitive, which I'm not doing, I'm not, you have to leave it on 24-7, which is just silly. You know, like, I'm not talking about just AFK fishing. I'm talking about like, you just got to leave the game running like in the background 24-7. And that, that's uh, there's no point to that. You know, AFK fishing is a thing. Like it's funny, a lot of the people in the MOS.com Discord are playing BDO, and they're all like AFK fishing too. So the, I'll give a pass to the fishing because that's fun. You know, it's a little mm -hmm. fun thing. But there's there's a lot of activities that require um, uh, just being AFK, not not just fishing. Mm -hmm. You know, speaking of the of those nostalgic old games again, I, I hate to bring this back again, but I still think Blizzard would make money if they just did a vanilla server. There are literally tens of thousands of players playing on unofficial vanilla servers. Yep. And I think some of I think maybe I think some of them would pay monthly to play on a official Blizzard server. I think uh, all these people trying to get a Blizzard uh, a World of Warcraft private server, uh, a mm -hmm. official vanilla server have went about this the whole wrong way. They're trying to get like petitions and go to like BlizzCon. Mm -hmm. All they got to do is find Bobby Kotick's Twitter, you know, and then 
<laughs> just said, hey, you, you could be making more money. No, you could be making even more money, dude. Your, you know, your underlings over at Blizzard are not doing this because they're, you know, trying to be like whatever, pure to the game. But if you can make more money, go do it, and he'll do it. He'll, he'll order them to do it. But, but that, that's the argument I think I've been making since day one. Like we saw how many like ten thousand plus player. Like I'm looking at one right now. There's, there's a website called Wow Circle, right? It's this. Uh, it looks like a, some private server. I'm trying to see what what, what packets it, it's in. But it's got ten thousand players online right now. You know, you had you had nostalgias for like five, ten thousand as well. So these, these are if, if half of those people pay between those two servers alone, you're getting like 150k a month or something crazy, even more. Yeah, so it's it's so much money. And I think the nostalgia is building up too. You know, a lot of the, I think a lot of those vanilla players all quit now too. But the older they have more money, they want to relive that nostalgia. So maybe they're gonna wait a little bit longer and then maybe eventually release one because this is a money thing. You know, re-releasing progression servers, re-releasing old servers. EverQuest two has shown. EverQuest one rather. EverQuest one. When they released a progression server, it is unbelievably packed. You mean their People latest? Are subscribing. Their latest progression server. They've been doing this. The second for, one. Yeah. Yeah. They've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So they released a second progression server, R Amar, Armar, something like that. In order to play, you have to subscribe to pay for it. Like the rest of the servers, you can play on for free. This is a paid server, and people are lining up to pay because it's the nostalgia, guys. Nostalgia is so powerful. They gotta milk the nostalgia. <laughs> I think we're gonna see more uh, MMORPGs do progression servers or classic servers, even if WoW doesn't do it, somebody else will. Indeed. Yeah, look at yeah RuneScape Classic too. Like it's the the player base is still pretty split between classic and a new RuneScape, right? Yeah, I'm trying to find the exact split. I, I they used to list on their homepage, but now I'm just seeing the total. Uh, 82,000 players on RuneScape. Mm-hmm. I could have sworn they had a section that they split the the classic and you know current uh, numbers, but perhaps somebody in chat will will serve you guys better for that. FF14 2.0 classic server win. Uh, who knows? Maybe I mean it's a little too new for Final Fantasy XIV is still I think a little bit too new to start really looking into classic servers. There's, there has not been enough time yet. But I think, you know, once you get as old as EverQuest or as old, you know, at that point, maybe you might want to do it, you know, to get people that nostalgia. Actually, somebody mentioned MXM. Maybe we can talk about MXM as well. Right. Because we're, we done with, def- we're done with uh, nostalgia, guys. We're looking forward right. now. New games from here <laughs> now. <laughs> we're looking forward. Yeah, that's true. All right, fine. We'll be forward-looking now. MXM actually launched already. If you guys are, haven't played it yet, it's, it's available for everybody. You know, just go to their website and download and play. It's a full launch. It's not, I don't think it's even open beta. It's considered like a full launch. And we both played it in um, for Friday Grindfest. I played it quite a bit more afterwards, actually, with some of the emos I got on Discord people. But I want to know what you think, Altai, about MXM. Because that was, I think, your first time playing. Yes, it was my first time. And I think, um, ho- however NCSoft let themselves label this as a MOBA, I think it did them a disservice. So when I played it, I thought I was going to, I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm going to do a lobby, like a lobby-based game. And uh, we're going to jump into a MOBA, 5v5 or whatever. And... And it's going to be like confusing because there's going to be like 100 heroes. I don't know what's going on. But when I actually played it, that's not what I saw. They had a nice little tutorial, which was short and optional and skippable, where you, you do PvE missions. And you can do a whole bunch of these. Uh, Omar invited me afterwards to a 3v3 arena match. No 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 creeps, no towers. Just 3v3, like almost like battle right. That was great. We did that for like an hour. That was fun. And at the end, there is a MOBA version. But the funny thing is... Almost everybody who's played this, and I've seen play this, their least favorite uh, mode is the mobile version. They they prefer the PVE. They prefer the 3v3 arena. So it's kind of funny that this is being, like, it's got kind of lumped in as a MOBA when the mobile part of it is probably the least uh, interesting. 
Actually, so you mentioned Alien Swarm uh, was kind of like MXM. The Alien Swarm was very much like MXM PVE to a degree. So that's kind of cool they mentioned that. I, for- I forgot Alien Swarm existed. Oh, that's I tried to mention that on the Grand Fest at the beginning. I remember mm-hmm. this. I'm like, this reminds me of some Steam game, but I, I couldn't remember the name. Um, Alien Swarm. With uh, with MXM though, I've played it. I, I've been playing it a decent chunk, and I've been enjoying it a lot because I really like the the combat. Right, the three v three tag team combat. I found I, I've been having a lot of fun with that. I've been, that's the mode I've been playing almost exclusively. I've got a couple of friends to play the game for the first time, right? They just I, I invite them on Discord. I'm like, let's go play. So far, everyone seems to like the three v three that I've played with, and the PVE mode has received like has been better received than I thought it would do because a lot of people enjoy the PVE in the game as well. But the PVP five v five mode, on the other hand, uh, my friends did not like so far. I have one friend that likes it, one that was neutral, and one just didn't like. And personally, I, I don't like it at all. I've played like at least five, six times. And for some reason, it's, I just can't get myself to play that mode. When I, when I play MXM, I'm jumping to 3v3 right away and playing. And it's, it's, the 3v3 is hella fun. It's like the initial fun I had playing Battle Right. Because when Battle Right first you know, was on Steam, I played that nonstop for a while and I had a lot of fun with it. And I'm having that feeling at MXM. However, the one thing that really nags me is the, pro- the persistent progression. People can bring weapon, unlo- weapon upgrades to PvP. So people that grind the game, play the game, you know, you can, you can, you play the PvE, you get item drops, you can use that to upgrade your weapons for each individual master. Those are your heroes. So if you upgrade your, you know, like, you can choose one of three upgrades for your hero, like weapon range, weapon damage, or something else. So I'm playing at somebody, and he's got three upgrades of weapon damage, weapon range. I only have one upgrade. So one of, my, my default gives me plus 60 weapon range, right? So I can shoot further with my character's gun. My opponent, on the other hand, has plus 180, plus his base 60. So he's got 240 uh, weapon range. Additional 240. I only have plus 60. That just feels unfair. I'm playing a guy against a guy that just has more range than my guy, even when we play the same character. And it's because he played longer. And he's got these persistent unlocks. And I hate that. So this comes up all the time when Omar and I have discussions off stream. Um, this kind of fairness and like balance. Maybe I'm just old. I don't know. But it never bothered me. Like unfairness. And I'm going to go all the way back to Ultima Online again. You know, when we were PvPing Ultima Online, we, we often jumped in battle naked with a katana. You know, no shield, even though we had, you know, if you're, and we just had fun. I don't need, I don't think you need balance to have fun. I remember in, I agree. Um, Gunbound. Remember there were certain, there was like a channel where you could just literally have gear that gives you stats in Gunbound. Don't we play that server. That channel sucked. No, people, people play it. Avatar off for the win. No, but, but, okay. But my point is, so many games in the past, and a lot of games today, like in Asia and Turkey, you know, the, the, you know, Overpowered gear is not a problem. People are okay with it, apparently. Like Crossfire yeah. in uh, in China. Like premium bullets or whatever. Nobody cares. <laughs> so I, I don't know. This perfect balance is 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 um, it's just – it almost feels like entitlement to me. Like, you know, play the game that fun. If, if you only have fun when you win these games, you, that means at best half the time you're not having fun, right? No, no. That's not true at all because – the, I agree with you. Balance for MMORPGs especially is not important. I'd rather have more variety and you know stuff like that in MMORPGs. But in a game like MXN, when I'm playing a MOBA, when I'm playing this battle arena game where it's me against them, something just feels wrong when they just have more range than I do. Or they have better stats than I do. Like I don't care. The, I don't even mind the fact that heroes aren't balanced. That doesn't bother me one bit, right? Maybe one hero is weaker than another hero, like objectively, right? Whatever. That makes that doesn't bother me one iota. It bothers me if they're playing the same hero as me and they just have more stats because they played the game longer. That part nags me. 
it just it's not fun because if I lose that guy, right? Let's say I lose, right, right. and I don't know if he's got better gear. I, I can always I just pay to winner. You know, that's why I lost. Maybe he's got. It's, it's, it's not that you pay to win either because you can lock all these in game. Everything is unlockable in game for free. You pay my space, speed it up, but you don't need to do it. However, I want to play the three v three. I want to play the PvP, and it's just weird. Like they 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 actually actively decided that skill upgrades don't carry over the PvP. Okay. But weapon upgrades do, and nodes do. Okay. And nodes are like runes in the game. Yeah. There are legendary tier ru- uh, runes, legendary tier nodes, which increase your stats much more than the, the shitty nodes I have. So I'm playing against a guy that's got better nodes than me. He's got weapon upgrades, and it just seems what the hell. You know when you play basketball in high school. Some kids yeah. are taller than you. They were. But, but you know what? They all have fun somehow. How do they do well, it? That, that, that's not the same hey, thing. G- gamers should learn. Uh, <laughs> like, but do you do you think, let's say, Counter Strike Go would be yeah. a better game if uh, in, in those inside the, the chests, there's the guy gets like a, a rare M4 or rare AK, well, right? You just described Crossfire. You just described Crossfire, which by the way makes more money than Counter Strike. It does make more. I, I don't know that. I don't know. <laughs> Got him. Whoa, whoa. That's the American version. The Chinese version is complete pay to win. There's like premium gold bullets and everything. Okay, I, I, I want to I look into that because I, I, I've only played okay, the American okay. version and I, and I know there was, you know, I, I don't know if there was, I don't think there was paid bullets. There was golden bullets in the American one. Uh, but do you think Crossfire would be a I mean, Counter Strike would be a better game if, you know, one guy's gun just does more damage okay. because he's got that very 1% look, drop. Look, there, there are limits, obviously. If, if one guy just one shots everyone, everyone else takes like two hours to kill someone, it's, it's just a bad game then, okay? There are there are limits. To, um, well, obviously, I said but, plus five or yeah, plus okay, ten damage, okay. not plus hundred percent. In that in that context, if he worked for that weapon, right? Yes, I he worked. No pro- it. He worked. He worked for it with his credit card. Well, that's no. But you said in game. Oh, no, oh, no, no, you, you can grind. Let's say you can grind it in game, and it takes you on average like fucking six months to get it. Of, six of months. Not apply. Okay. Or you just or you spend five hundred dollars and you get it that way. Well, okay. If, if that if I don't know what the balance would be, but that's fine. Because again, think of a think of E Online or uh, Ultima Online. Some people have MRPGs are different. I agree with. Uh, I said MRPGs. If different classes in MRPGs don't have to be balanced, and I, I, I think it adds more fun if they're not well, balanced. Not even, what if what if you have a sword in MRPG like like Black Desert, and I have the same sword, but yours is plus nine. Every attack does nine, you know, damage more, which is what yes. Ultima Online did with with the magic weapons. Yes. Okay, that's fine, right? That's fine. Okay. So you're okay with MRPGs? It's just shooters. No, it's 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 non MRPGs. Games like games like shooters and MOBAs. Where like they kind of emphasize the competitive element of, of it too, you know, well, like games like League and Dota don't do this for a reason. And these League and Dota League is the most successful PC game in the world, by the way. And they don't do this. And then so, you, have, you have a shitty game like Heroes Evolved. What about, Honor, not, what about Honor of Kings or Strike? I, I don't think the game has any. I don't think the game has any pay to win elements. I, I played again. It's hard for me to read the Chinese, right? I'm just kind of dicking around as I play that game. It's launching in America in English sometime in September. We're going to check. I'm pretty sure it's got nothing actually. Uh, we'll see. But, okay. My point is, if it's a fun game, th- that part is not the deal breaker. And obviously, most games, like those Chinese browser games that happen to be super pay to win, are just bad games in general, right? Oh, here's but a good those games are, are you not? You know, a lot of those Chinese browser games are basically a PV experience. You know, you're not really PVPing. You don't have to participate in PVP. Like it's literally PVP's own segmented area. You don't have to do. Oh, I got, I got a silver bullet. Ready? I'm, I'm gonna load the, I'm gonna load it in the chamber. All right, load up your silver right. bullet. Let's hear it. Take aim. Clash Royale. You play it, you like it, it makes a lot of money, billions of dollars, boom, boom, boom. It's literally the other guy has his archer do more, like 30% more damage than Here's you. Here's the deal, though. Clash Royale literally has a mode where all that shit is balanced automatically. Oh. And guess what? That's the mode everybody uses in the tournaments oh. and, and scrims. That's, that's fine, but you you can't normally play that mode. Like you, the normal you way can. Level... If, I, if I challenge you right now to Clash Royale, oh. guess what? 
What happens? Well, well equalize. Why is that? If you open the thing and try to and play to get trophies against a random opponent, you're well, gonna here, play. If I play against, if I challenge people, okay, I, 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 I'm not against that. I'm not against that. Okay. I'm saying you can, but, you know, clearly you can have a competitive. But, but here's the thing MXM. You know, in their ranked mode, in the matter, you know, even even when you challenge people like one on one in custom games, you ranked mode, the guys got better nodes. You got better nodes than you. He's got better weapon upgrades than you. I think it, games like Counter Strike, games like Overwatch, games like MOBAs are ruined when they're not balanced. Personally. And I look. I don't want to be because I don't think a lot of this stuff. Like, I, I don't want to be the all pay to win is evil. Look, I actually don't mind the imbalances in MMORPGs, even the pay to win elements in MMORPGs. Because honestly, if you pay for better gear in in, in Final Fantasy fourteen in World of Warcraft, let's say WoW sold you the best weapon, the best raid drops. Honestly, it doesn't matter because you don't have to participate in PvP where that advantage matters. Like you play an MMORPG. Honestly, most of the fun is getting gear progression on your own. If some other asshole wants to pay for it. Whatever. It doesn't bother me that much, right? I think it's a bad decision, but it wouldn't bother me the way it does if in Counter-Strike, where literally the game is all built around PvP. It's built around, you know, us playing against each other. This asshole has got to just, just does more damage than me. Like, that grinds my gears. I and more PG pay-to-win doesn't. I even think, if it is pay-to-win. I think you're going to be disheartened um, when this legacy ends. For example, games like Counter-Strike, League of Legends, the things you mentioned, the reason mm-hmm. they're not pay-to-win is because they were released at a time when pay-to-win wasn't prevalent. So when these when newer shooters and newer mobiles or they come out, whether it's Strike of Kings or whatever, Crossfire, when they come out and they are pay to win and they're popular and they make a lot of money and nobody complains, you know this you, you're gonna just be used to it, you know you're not gonna you know you know it's gonna be the new norm. I don't think King of Glory is pay to win though, but again I don't know because most of the time a good way to gauge if a game is pay to win for Chinese games is when you go to the game's app store page and it tells you what the most popular purchases are, right? Usually, it'll say, like, oh, the $99 bundle is the most bought, the $0.99 cent bundle is the most bought. In a lot of these pay-to-win Chinese games, the most bought item is the $100 package because you have to spend all this money to get good in the game, right? For King of Glory, the $0.99 cent package is the most popular and, like, the $100 package is on the bottom. But obviously, I don't know until I play it myself. All right, well, we'll have to see the, uh, yeah. how the industry shakes up. Uh, my main thing is I-, I want fun. That's my main... Concern. Um, do you know? Do you know what's not fun? Some asshole has got a, the same gun as you, but he does more damage than you. Or the guy you playing? M- Look, even though I was kind of you know frustrated with MXM, I enjoy the three three MXM. Even with you know, I'm kind of like gritting my teeth and playing people that are better better weapon upgrades than me. But I think the PvP is really fun in MXM. And I I do recommend people that like League and Dota at least give it a try. It's really the only MOBA that's really tried to shake things up. You know, you have the tag team gameplay, and that that alone is so different than what we've seen. In other mobas, so I, I think it's worth trying. And surprisingly, the PVE con- back to Master and Master. Finally, the, the PVE content is way better than I thought uh, it would be. I thought it was going to be like that. Um, well, I keep forgetting that game that we played. That that 3D moba that tried Battleborn, right? Yeah. The Battleborn PVE somehow it just seemed gimmicky to me, but here it made sense. It was kind of this isometric like alien swarm, uh, old school uh, arcade like shooter uh, adventure shooter game style uh, gameplay. So I really like the PvE content in Master X Master. Master Yeah, my friends who did PvP PvE as well kind of liked it. I've been trying to do the the harder modes, and I've been I've been wiping on that. So it's it's quite hard on the more difficult game modes. You got to grind some of the the weapon upgrades too, probably to do it. But it's it's fun. It's one of those PvE. You know, if you play right, you can dodge everything. So it's surprisingly decent. All right. Uh, what, oh, else? You, what else? What else? What's up? We can talk about uh. <laughs> Silly uh, side thing. Azure Creation on your favorite your favorite MRPG. They're doing a summer crowdfunding campaign now. Oh, a new a new separate round of crowdfunding, and they said it was because um, 
because you know all those people that just they wanted to give us money but they couldn't because of the because they live outside America they couldn't use PayPal yeah and all that stuff this is such a funny excuse guys okay so Kickstarter I assume takes PayPal Visa Mastercard right and he's like well we have so many people mailing us in from like Zimbabwe or or whatever (laughs) weird place that don't take Visa you know like and they just wanted to give us money but they couldn't because they don't you know there's no Visa there's no PayPal or there's no Mastercard I, I just came from Turkey right. In Turkey, we got Visa, Mastercard. It works just fine. You put, you know, they swipe it. You know, it works. There's no, you can use your American card. Uh, there's no problem. So, I don't know what countries this guy's talking about, and if whether those countries have enough money to spare for uh, crowdfunding MRPGs. I'm surprised the the backing for this has not been nearly as strong as the original campaign. They have 414 backers so far, and they're, they're only on that first tier, and there's only like 20 something days left. But you know, look at the look what the package is. You know, the five thousand dollar package. You know, this is reminding me of uh, Shroud the Avatar with their very expensive packages as well. Oh baby, I see how high they uh, go. Th- five thousand, hero of the people. Do you want to be a hero of the people? Yeah, buy that package. But I think the most um, absurd crowdfunded news this week is for Chronicles of Illyria, and you showed me this video earlier, and I was I was astounded that they were. They were trying to do this. So basically, Chronicles of Illyria did a Q&A with, uh, with the founder, Caspian, right? Was it, what's, what's the main guy's name again? Let's go with Caspian because I have no idea. No, that, that, that's, that's one of the guys in the forums. I'm not sure if it's the same guy. I forgot. But whatever. Look at the, the video. And this, you showed me this video. And the way they were describing NPC interactions with their lords and how they're, their tastes and they're rebelling. What do you think, Erhan? Okay, so some uh, – in the Q&A session, somebody asked him, like, will NPCs have personality? And this, he goes on to explain how they're going to build a system into the game that it works like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So each NPC you encounter in the world will be somewhere on that pyramid, with the top being, like, self-actualization, where this guy is just trying to, like, make the world great, you know, follow his dreams. Then you got people that are hungry and they can't, like, you know, think ahead. And, and then that's going to determine whether they listen to you, how they interact with you, what they do in the world. And look, it all sounds great, right? But... <laughs> It, it just sounds like something that's like if if companies like Square Enix, Blizzard, whatever can't like figure all this out and integrate all this like BDO, like the NPCs kind of just stand there, the, the main merchant and stuff, right? It, and with Blast, you know, sixty million dollars and you got no interaction with NPCs. I don't know. I just don't think uh, these guys know what it, what it'll take uh, to kind of implement the kind of systems they're hoping to implement in games like this. If they struggle with the stuff that they're talking about, with NPCs having self actualization, different hierarchy of needs, like. The game is never going to get done. You know, they're going to be struggling on programming this into the game literally forever. Like no giant company is able to figure this out with hundred million dollar budgets for their games, and people have been doing this forever. And this guy who has literally never made a game is is going to do this? Come on, he's, this is such bullshit. Like I, I can't believe people buy this stuff up as like, oh my god, Chronicles Warrior is going to be the best game ever. We got hierarchy of needs for NPCs. Like there's so much like cool stuff right in the Chronicles Warrior design. You know the stuff they put on their blog post about the way they want to design the game, but like. It's not real. It's not practical. It's not realistic. That stuff's not going to yeah. happen. And the the grand the granddaddy of this, I, I call it a feature creep, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you got people sitting around a room, a table. Like, well, what if our game had this? You know, what if our game had that? Like flying mount, flying mounted combat, uh, underwater combat, submarines, ships, boats, spaceships. Like you can keep throwing things at the wall, but each of these things takes a long time to make, and uh, it just exponentially grows in complexity. It's like it's like this. If I say like, oh, why why you know. And then more people should have NPCs that are indistinguishable from real players. Hey, wouldn't that be really cool if your game just had literally NPCs running around? 
and talking and interacting that are just literally indistinguishable, yeah, it made the game freaking amazing. The player base would look through the roof, they'd interact, you'd get more people for your party, it would boost the economy. But, like, that's literally not possible. We don't have AI at that level yet, you know? You can't just slap these things in that have literally never been done on an indie project with, you know, relatively modest funding. I mean, this is this is impractical. I, I, they're getting so caught up with these details, they're going to miss the big – they're going to get lost on the big on, on the forest, the whole project. You know, yeah. we, we've seen this with Star Citizen as well. They're so focused on a lot of these little things. There was a video about the project management, how they make, like, like one box or, like, the hole for an airplane. And they spent, like, all this time they, – they coined with, like, four different studios to make this stupid hole on one ship. Like, <laughs> that's why these things take forever because – you gotta make the game. You know, don't worry. Those little details can be can be done later. Did, you, gotta, you gotta make something, you know, first. Do you know Chris Roberts' brother makes three hundred grand a year? At Star I, Star I didn't know that. At Star Citizen. What, what, what is his job title? What does he do? He runs one of the like the four studios. Oh, a good good chunk of change. Is is it like uh is he like has he run game studios before or is it like uh yo you my bro here's three hundred k kind of deal? I I think it's uh the latter there or the yeah. I think I think his um his wife or his girlfriend. Wife. Uh, is yeah also wife. employee also you know you know and she has no credentials in in, in the industry of course so uh, people are giving him shit for the nepotism there but how they's a big deal I, I, I don't really you know he's 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 throwing some money to his bros yeah, it's not my money I I didn't fund the game all right his wife is so hot though all right your <laughs> <laughs> uh... star citizen is up to like what 150 actually no, we should talk about star citizen there's actually a, a good bit of news for it actually. Uh, they actually, you know, had to come out and defend their finances recently amidst rumors. So, uh, did you hear about this? Uh-huh. I did. I did hear about this. Uh, do you know? So this? I th- yeah, I know the gist of it. Okay, you go ahead. All right. Basically, the way I understood it is they took out a loan from a from a bank in the UK and they had to file some paperwork. And the paperwork, interestingly enough, is actually public in the UK. A lot of the the changes, like corporate ownership, is all public, so you can see that they have a, you know, basically they got a, an advance on tax credits. In their, for the UK subsidiary, and a bank gave them a loan, which is an advance on those tax credits, and and they pledged the company in for to do this, and that's actually perfectly normal. When you borrow money, and when a company borrows money, they usually pledge the assets of that company to pay that money back. It's perfectly normal. Even if you borrow like a tiny bit of money, you pledge the assets of your company to pay it back because you can pay it back. It's no problem, right? So people are saying, oh, they pledged the company. They, they must be in financial straits. And no, that's not true because again, this is very normal financial lingo. Where, what's surprising to me, though, is that they felt like they needed to get an advance on these tax credits, right? That makes me think there actually might be some financial issues involved, not because they pledged the assets to the company, but because they couldn't wait for the end of the year when the, the UK government gave them this money, right? Because if, if you earn a tax credit and you earn no income, you literally get money back from the, from the treasury. So they were going to get money at the end of the year from the government for these tax credits, but Star Citizen could not wait for the end of the year. They actually went out of their way. They filed all this paperwork. They took out a loan. In advance of that, and when you do that, you're actually paying all these fees to get all the paperwork done. You're paying interest on this loan when you could have just wait to the end of the year to get it yourself anyway. The fact that they're they felt they had to do that, right? They needed that money right away. Makes me think that there's something something amiss personally. All right, to, to defend the other side, there we don't know if it means that because perhaps it was just a forex move. Like they locked in, they got USD today uh, at today's exchange rate, and they're going to get Great Britain pounds later or something. So, it could just so you tell me you, you tell me you tell me that they are they are speculating on the forex markets. Is that why they did this? I, I, and the sums we're talking about are literally pennies in, in the size of the trillion dollar forex market. Like the amount of tax rebates they're getting is maybe like I, I'm 
a million dollars or something. Maybe no, no, a million dollars. No, no, that's what I'm trying to say. Today, that credit is worth a million dollars converted from pounds, right? But yep. maybe in six months it'll be worth six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand. It could be worth two million next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you because, don't know. Okay. Nobody knows. But but their expenses, their salaries, their their company is USD You're wrong. based. No, their their expenses in the UK are GDP based. In, in the UK they are, but uh, well, that's where they get the tax credits. Well, here's the, the, the explanation on the article is um, their their the revenue they collect is in USD and euros. Their revenues know. are in USD. That's true. But their expenses in the UK. So it's five million dollars less than they got in credit. So. So the argument from them is saying they want to speculate on, on, on the forex market. Well, I, I don't know. You're saying speculate, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm hearing. It could, like, it could go either lock, way. They're lock expensive down the current. Region. You know, ex- it's like, it's like, what do they call it when the oil company hedging? When the, hedging. Yeah, when it's airlines. Hedging. Yeah, they're hedging. They're hedging the currency risk. But they have because ex- you know companies hedge when like uh, you know they do business in U.S. dollars exclusively and they want to like avoid that risk, right? But when a company has, has expenses in GBPs, like that, it equals out anyway. So now they're taking out this costs money, by the way. The the, the act of hedging, the act of yeah, yeah, yeah. taking out a loan, there's, a, there's expense to it. There's cost to it. You uh, know, so if the expenses, are, yeah, it warrants more digging in, right? But mm-hmm. on the surface, it could just be something like their CFO did without even asking anyone else. It's just like a hedging move. Like it, we don't know what the story is behind it. I don't know. And they say, given today's low interest rates versus ongoing uncertain currency fluctuations, so those those two things don't seem super related. Ooh. But they are getting a lower interest rate on, on the loan. I don't know. Yeah, Regardless, so, I still hope the game happens. Well, we got uh, we got some we got nine dollar donation. Thank you, these nuts. So that will help us uh, fund Chris Roberts' next vacation with his uh, wife. When we, when his we... hot wife. His hot wife. <laughs> All right. Not the regular wife. The hot one. When I buy a new starship, all right? What else? They're we got still here? raising quite a bit of money. I think they're over 155 million now. They had a sale recently. They sold a a, a speeder bike. I think it's called the Knox Star Citizen. Knox. Let me see what this looks like. So they're still designing ships. They're still selling stuff. Oh, the Cakemeister, 200 bits. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Cakemeister. Uh, Brexit has actually hurt the value of the of the Great British Pound significantly. The interest rate was already very low in in Britain. Uh, it was very low in America too, but it's been raised, I think, two three times already. But yeah, interest rates are very low across the world right now. The Brexit really just shot on their currency right now. I I love like the the stats on this Knox uh, bike. Okay, so all the stats are TBD. Propulsion overview. Uh, <laughs> it's all just TBD because there's nothing yet. You know, it's it's a JPEG. He's building his own spaceship to run away. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. He's off to Mars with Elon Musk, all right? <laughs> so there you go. All right, we should we should we should be a little more forward looking as well. There's a, I think Critica is launching real soon. Uh, they're preparing for the open beta. Yeah, it's beginning on June 29th, which is this Thursday. What do you think about Critica? Do you think it'll do well? I think it will find a niche. I can't say I'm super excited for this one, only because it's it's nothing new, honestly. It's what it's from 2012 originally in Korea, and yep. we're we're just getting it now. Which you know, it's nice that we're getting a localized version. I played it. I did have fun when we played it. Uh, I I did play. We played actually a little longer after this after the Sunday Funday, right? Mm-hmm. We kept yep. going with the stream. I had fun, but I don't know if it's something I'm gonna invest a lot of time in. You gotta play the game. You gotta play each level like four times. <laughs> I don't know why they do that. <laughs> people in chat are speculating about how much Star Wars Republic costs we have the number at 200 million 
on MOS.com. And again, I think I cited at the bottom where we got the source from. There's no there's no definitive answer to any of these, mainly because these aren't broken down explicitly. But we have uh, sources for everything we can find for most expensive and more pieces developed. But yeah, Critica, I agree with you. Uh, I don't think it really adds anything new to the genre. It's fun. The art style is good. It's it's fun for a while, but it, it, I don't think it's going like to be able to keep me hooked. This, this this kind of game, especially, we've seen so many times, you know? With that said, though, what is is this is this the best version of this kind of uh, hub world plus levels and missions game currently? Vindicans, I think, is more yeah. more well known. Yeah, and Vindicans getting a big upgrade update too soon. That's true. There's a new, there, I, I was actually surprised to hear they're still adding classes to Vindictus. That's been a that's an old game now. Mm-hmm. The new Miri class looks kind of cool too. There's a, they already released a video for it. Let me see this. Okay. Unfortunately, there's no release date for this in America just yet. They're just showing it off in Korea now. Uh, they did. America just launched the Rise update for the game, which is the biggest update for Vindictus uh, yet. So you get a uh, new basic default skills for everybody, new backstories. Uh, condensed story. A lot of changes happened to Vindictus. So if you never played Vindictus, uh, maybe now's a good time to uh, return to it. Plus, you got this new class coming out eventually too. Yeah, I mean, this game is on Steam, but I don't think it was ever mainly uh, the player base was never mainly from Steam. Uh, there's only like 500 people on right now, but I'm sure on the true. Nexon client, uh, there's a lot more people playing. Maple Story only gets about 1,200 people on Steam, right? But I think there's a lot more people than that playing Maple Story through the Nexon client. And I think it's the same way for, for Vindictus. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, I know I mentioned it before here, but uh, Vindictus is one of the few non-Valve games made on the Source engine. Did you know that? I did not. I always thought that was interesting. Actually, back to that, that Korean chart too. Mabinogi uh, Heroes, right? It's, it's, it's what Vindictus is in Korea. Outranks Maple Story 2. It's number 29 on that list, so it's still fairly relevant in South Korea still, too. Actually, there's them. another game um, with this exact same model launching uh, pretty soon. That's pretty surprising, too. It's going gonna, it's gonna to launch. Let me see what game it was. We have it on here. Twilight Spirits is launching on Steam on the 29th. Also, I believe, this Thursday. This is a game I bet most of you have not heard of. I haven't heard take of this. Look, take a look at that gameplay video on the feature video we have over here. Uh, this is, I believe, thanks to Steparo for the video. But it's, uh, it's a Chinese action MMORPG, which is going to be like uh, Critica from what I've, what I've gathered from the, screen, from the video. You can see people like um, in those little dungeons. You can see the stages, the maps of the stages. So I think it's going to be the same kind of game with the, with the persistent hubs, instance dungeons. But it's a Chinese take at this. It's developed by a company called NetEase, and it's launching in English in like two days, hmm. which is pretty surprising because we heard nothing about an English release date until like just recently. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about this. Man, it's happening, though. All I know is the name sounds like one of those Final Fantasy movies. Oh, Twilight Spirits. What was it called? Uh, was that the name of it? Twilight Spirits? No, no it wasn't something... called Twilight Spirits. It was called... Uh, it was something Spirits. Spirits Within. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was it. And uh, Advent Children. Look, uh, slight, slight detour. I love Final Fantasy. Though, you know, I, I grew up playing a lot of these games, but and I love Final Fantasy XIV. When I watched, twi- when I watched uh, the Spirits Within, the Final Fantasy movie... I, I died a little bit inside on how, how much I disliked it. And they lived like, oh, don't worry. You can watch Advent Children, right? That one's coming out. It's going to be better, we swear. It's going to be the Final Fantasy movie you wish like we had before. I didn't like Advent Children at all. It was like this mindless action. You know, I like Final Fantasy Seven, but I don't know. I don't want to watch mindless action in a, in a movie, especially a Final Fantasy movie. It's supposed to be about the story, the emotion, the characters. But no, we get this, this action and the CGI. I know people actually like uh, that one, Advent Children, but I don't know. They didn't do it for me. But to each their own, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't for me. 
I know a lot of people did like it, though. There it is. They should make a movie. Why don't they ever make a movie adaptation of their actual mainline Final Fantasy games? I feel like that would be a smarter move. Like, imagine a Final Fantasy X movie. I'd watch that. I, I think Final Fantasy X is a great story. Pretty, I, think, I think pretty easy to add up into like a movie, yeah, too. Yeah, I think so. It's even got the it's even got the sixth sense twist at the end. There you go. <laughs> I think they, they, they could make a Final Fantasy fourteen movie too with all the all the story content there. You know that game. I, I, I again, I, I'm kind of itching for Final Fantasy fourteen again right now. That's the game that has my itch quite a bit right now. And I really haven't had a strong MMORPG itch in a while. I would just play a game for like a short while, pop to another game, dick around. But for me, it's it's FF fourteen, and I'm, I'm loving loving the game right now. They should make a movie on that, though. FFX. At 597, I'm, I'm still waiting for uh, the, the remake, Good. some keep, gameplay for the remake. They didn't even show it off at uh Keep E3. waiting. Keep waiting. Is that still, like, forever away? Is there like is there any release date on that or anything? No way. Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, didn't they say going to release it in three, in three parts, too? What a joke. Some bullshit. I don't know. But, yeah, that's, that's Also, another funny thing about that, we were talking in the pregame about hype. Uh, like... There is literally no way in God's green earth the FF7 remake will not let people down. It's impossible. You know, you you, you can never meet that you know expectation when you have like a such a you know a remake like that. And it kind of fits with the nostalgia discussion earlier because they're literally remaking an old franchise. Is Defiant still going strong? I don't think so. I think the people still play it. The show got canceled, but the game is still going. Yeah. I'd never played Defiance. Have you? I don't think so either, actually. I remember the show. I tried watching it, right? I don't know. I couldn't get into it. I watched like three or four episodes. Mm -hmm. I love sci-fi. But it's, I, it, just saying the name defines maybe yawn. You guys saw that, right? So I don't mm -hmm. know. I just It just bored me. I I I must have, I must have played it ages ago, but like I, I remember like so, so nothing about the show. I I, I watched a show with you. We watched like two three episodes and. After that, we just we just stopped. But it's it's still around. Uh, player base is about uh, 400 right now on Steam. It averaged about 400 people over the last 30 days, so uh, not great right now. I I got I got a funny trailer to show. All right, and this yeah, one I, I want to play the audio, so I'll link it to you. Then I'll play it for the chat all together here. So it's pretty short. It's a launch <laughs> trailer for a Secret World Legends, and it's so funny because they tried to do it like a movie trailer. So here we go. Three, two, one, go. Ding. Just about the, smell the, brimstone. the bass drops are so funny. A storm is brewing. Boom, that bass. Witness the legacy of those who were brave and dared to dream. <laughs> it's so random, the bass. The, ba the world to your will. Those bass drops, though. <laughs> they went full Nolan. <laughs> Agents of Chaos, we do what is necessary. Duh. That music, find though. Us, or we'll find you. Whatever your reasons for being here, you bring a reckoning. <laughs> what? Well, 
one who pulls the strings. Every event, no matter how small, has consequences. <laughs> it was actually a pretty cool trailer, though. I, thought, I, I, thought it was I mean, I, liked I, thought, it. I thought it was a good trailer, too. Um, it was kind of just funny, too, the fact that they tried to make it like a movie with all those action sequences. But when you actually play the game, uh, it's it, the combat's slow paced. Like it's a, it's a it's a tw- you know it's an old school kind of you know, pacing. So contrast it with the actual pace of the game to that. You know, where, like things are blowing up, you're getting thrown around. You know, <laughs> it's just a funny contrast. But I think that trailer kind of emphasizes the kind of game Secret World Legends is. It's a narrative, story-driven game, and that's that's actually you know something we don't get too much of. Like really, how many story-driven and more pieces are there? The games that are actually narr- you know, have a story-driven game, Star Wars: The Republic. Secret Final World Fantasy. Legends yeah. and Final Fantasy XIV. That's literally it. Off the top, like, is there anything? Like, WoW has like great lore, right? But the lore is there for you to explore on your own time. It's not like driven. It's not, it's not a story-driven game. I prefer that We're, though. I think it's a big difference between us. Uh, that that you know, there was, a, there was like a kind of uh, mis- misunderstanding. I like games. I like worlds where it's show, don't tell. So I don't want in a PC, you know, coming up on my screen first-person view and talking to me for five minutes. That's to me boring. That's stupid. That's a bad way to tell a story, in an MRPG especially. I, I want to explore. Like, wow, why 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 is this building here? Why is it abandoned? And then you know you move around and you kind of see ghosts and you gotta you gotta make it up in your mind. And you your 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 experience will be different than other people's. And EverQuest was great for this. You know, like it was just beautiful scenery, but you know there was no like, hi, welcome to uh, Quenos. This was founded in this year. Da 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 da. Go kill ten rats. That 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 didn't happen because. No. But the way the Final Fantasy XIV story is told, yes, it has the like the, the mainline story is kind of like you know linear. It takes you through the story, right? However, a lot of the lore and the smaller details are in the world. You have to explore on your own. You have to do the side quests, all right? Like there's there's this one uh you know, side quest I was doing when we met Matoya. She's you, you one of the scions is that you stole as a master. She's an old witch who lives in a cave, right? And you know you don't really know their relationship too well. All you know is she was uh. The master, like she taught the, you stole everything she knows, that stuff, and then you, you don't really know their relationship. But when you when you do the side quest in that cave, you discover like how close they actually were and like what happened between them. And, like you really like it really puts that lore into you and it makes you care about the characters, right? You don't really understand that when you just listen to the main story, right? Main story quest. But when you go out of your way to explore it, which you don't have to do, many people probably never did it. But if you do it, you get a greater appreciation for the area, for the characters, the lore, and it. I think it's done really wonderfully. And the game has a lot of side quests like that, where it's they don't try bombarding you with all these facts and backgrounds, right? They give mm-hmm. you the bare minimum in the story, and it's still enough to appreciate the game, I think, but to really get the full appreciation for the game, you do have to do a lot of these side quests, and you don't have to. You know, you, you can play for everything else, but it, it's nice that they're there. Yeah. Well, a, a different different style, I guess, the Tonga story yeah. building world. Uh, there's no right or wrong. Uh up to you indeed with that said guys uh secret world legends free to play officially came out yesterday i think there was a three-day head start before that but this they don't even call themselves an mmorpg anymore it's like a shared world thing with instances with smaller number of people honestly even this i feel is like too multiplayer for this game so far i've been i've been playing for a couple hours and there's literally no interaction with another human like so I think, you know, it kind of reminds me of those old Half-Life um, horror mods somewhere. You know, what was that last one we played? Cry of Fear? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of Cry of Fear. 
OG Half-Life mod, yeah? Yeah, like the, like the, the visual style and stuff. Um, I don't it's know. Different. I, I like the fact that they're doing something a little different, like this narrative-driven game. There aren't that many other games like that, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly, I think the main selling point for Secret World Legends is that story. I yeah. don't think it's going to be the gameplay. I mean, maybe as you listen to the story, you kind of invest in your character, and it makes you want to do all the other content, but like, I think the story is the, the main drive. Yep, and they've really stripped everything else out. Like, there's there's no like trash loot, which is nice. There's there's, mm-hmm. there's actually no loot. The monsters drop no loot. The only way you get loot is um, you get random drop boxes by completing quests and killing like mini bosses around the world. So the the average mm-hmm. monsters you kill, I don't care if you kill a hundred of them, you don't you get zero loot from them. So uh, which I find it's good. It, it's all right. It, it's very different. It, it feels like, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a traditional MRPG at all. I mean, it's it's another you know Western developed MRPs. There really aren't too many of them, so we got we got to save for the ones we actually do get. Everything is Korean and Chinese these days. Remove the mo. It's an RPG. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, the setting but is nice. Really well too right now. The setting is nice. I think we need whatever you want to do: narrative, open world, sandbox, whatever style you want. I do think we need more modern setting MRPGs. You know, I'm tired of. The swords and dragons. Spaceships, you know, I've seen it too. I want like a modern day MRPG. It's hard to make that like, uh, I think, because games are still a form of escape, right? And if it's modern setting, I feel like it's a little harder to disconnect with yourself. You know, I think you do want to get lost in that world. And when your world is a modern day world, it feels too close to home. You know, you want to escape your miserable life into the world of Eorzea, into the world of uh, Azeroth, you know? You want to get out of here. This world sucks. Maybe that's the reason. Yeah, I mean, you can still have fun. Like, like, Secret World does a good job. Like, there's conspiracy stuff and, like, you know, monsters. But it's in the, you know, it's in the real world. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Anything else to discuss? No, I think, we, I think we covered all the big stuff. We can uh, have some fun in the, in the post-game, though. All right. We are moving on to the post-game, guys. Stick around on uh, Twitch. If you're watching on YouTube, catch us live on Twitch. 4 p.m. PST on Tuesdays. All right. Later for YouTube. Take it easy.